My name is Dominic. If we haven't met, I'm one of the pastor elders here, and uh, I'm glad to be with you this morning to, to share in some truth together. I've asked the band to stay up here. Um, I'm hopefully going to preach shorter than normal, and it's just fun to have music behind you when you're preaching sometimes. I want to read a, pra- a passage of scripture here from uh, Luke chapter 1. It'll be up on the screen. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, that's Mary's cousin, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever, and his kingdom will never end. Emily read it at the beginning no, she didn't. I read it at the beginning. <laughs> that uh, the Magi, the Magi came and they said, where is the king of the Jews? The Apostle Paul would write later to his spiritual son, Timothy, and he would say that Jesus was the king of all kings. It was the title that was written above the head of Jesus as he hung on the cross. Jesus, King of the Jews. We just read it here. That God will give this child the throne of the King. And there will be no end of his government. There will be no end to his peace and to his throne of his kingdom. Jesus is the king. People ask sometimes, what, where's the kingdom of God? What, what is the kingdom of God and where is it? The kingdom is where the king is reigning. And that's why where everywhere Jesus went, he was saying stuff like the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is upon you because Jesus is the king and anywhere he went, he was ruling and wherever the king is ruling, there is the kingdom. For 2,000 years, at Christmas time, we have been celebrating the birth of Jesus. And what we are celebrating when we celebrate the birth of Jesus is not just that a baby was born, but that a king was born. And not just any king, but the king of heaven, the king of the kingdom of heaven. And when this king of the kingdom of heaven was born, he brought heaven with him. When we celebrate Christmas, what we are celebrating is that heaven came to earth. The fact that God became a man. God in heaven became a man. At Christmas, we celebrate that the kingdom has come to earth in the person of Jesus Christ. But what kind of kingdom? What kind of rule 
did Jesus bring when he came? And when he invites us into his kingdom, and somebody's got to know today that if you are here today, Jesus is inviting you into his kingdom. And when he invites us into his kingdom, and some of us are already in his kingdom, but when we come into his kingdom, what kind of kingdom are we coming into? What kind of kingdom have we entered into? What are the characteristics of this kingdom? What should one expect to find when they enter into this kingdom? I mean, if if Jesus brought this kingdom to earth and then gave his life and rose from the dead in order to bring us into this kingdom, and today he is standing at the door of every single heart, inviting those who are not yet into his kingdom, into his kingdom, doesn't somebody want to know, yeah, but what kind of kingdom is it? Because the same question was being asked of Israel 2,000 years ago as they were waiting for their Messiah to come. They knew that Messiah would be some kind of a king. But what kind of king would he be? And what kind of kingdom would he bring? They had assumptions of what it would look like. And maybe they even knew that the kingdom of heaven would come. But what did that mean? What characterizes heaven? What characterizes the kingdom of heaven? They had assumptions, as do we probably have assumptions today, what the kingdom of God is like. But what is it really like? The clue to the kingdom is found in the king. You want to know what a kingdom is like? Look at the king of the kingdom. Look at history. Kings establish the culture of their kingdom. Jesus is the king of the kingdom. And so we need to ask then, if I want to know what this kingdom is like, because that's what Jesus brought when he came. I want to know what this kingdom is like. I need to know what Jesus is like. What kind of being is Jesus? What was he like when he walked the earth? When the blind man saw Jesus in Luke 18, he said, Jesus, son of of David, have mercy on me. So is it a kingdom of mercy? Because Jesus did have mercy on him. Yeah, in part. But Matthew 9 says that Jesus was moved with compassion when he saw the masses as uh, as sheep without a shepherd. So is it a, a kingdom of compassion then? Yeah, in part. But Jesus defended the marginalized. So then a kingdom of justice? He stood up for righteousness. So then a kingdom of righteousness, he was full of grace. He was full of truth. He brought healing. He brought soul prosperity. So then a kingdom of righteousness, a kingdom of grace, a kingdom of truth, justice, healing, a kingdom of prosperity. But he's the prince of peace. He's the source of all joy and hope. He is life itself. He is living water. He is the bread. He is the light of the world. And he sets captives free. Yes, a kingdom of freedom and grace and mercy and peace and joy and life and equality and power and healing and justice and truth and good right pure everything that is lovely but what kind of good what kind of pure what kind of lovely and right and by whose definition what kind of peace because i know people who have peace 
But their peace is solely contingent on their, for instance, financial stability, which has no stability. I know people who are free, whose freedom is destroying their lives. So what kind of peace? What kind of freedom? Everything that we see in Jesus that that I just said is characteristic of his kingdom. The question is, what is the foundation of it all? What is it all anchored in? What is the root system from which it grows? Because a house is only as good as the foundation that it is built on, and a tree is only as good as the root system from which it grows. This peace, this freedom is only as good as the foundation that it is built upon, the root system from which it grows. Then what is the foundation? What is the root system? What is the law by which Jesus lived? Show me that and I will show you what his kingdom is like. There was a teacher of the law who came to Jesus in Matthew 22 asking this very question. He said to Jesus, teacher, what is the greatest of all of the commandments? In other words, Jesus, what rule, what law supersedes everything else? Tell us that and we will know the foundation of your life, Jesus. Tell us that and we will know what kind of tree you are. If we understand that, friends, then we will know what his kingdom is like. Jesus, what is the greatest of the laws? His answer to the question, love. Love is the greatest law. We'll sing about it later. Later, truly he taught us to love one another. His law is love and his gospel is peace. Jesus answered this man who was asking, what's the greatest commandment, Jesus? What's the greatest law? He answered by saying, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. Additionally, you shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. The foundation, the root system, the law is love. Love is the motivation and the end goal in the kingdom of God. And it is from a motivation of love and to the end goal of loving relationship that he then brings peace, that he then brings compassion, that moves him to forgive. It is love that moves him to bring justice and truth and grace and forgiveness. It is love that moves him to see men, women, every color, every creed as equal. His law is love. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of love because the kingdom takes on the nature of the king. And in 1 John 4, it says that the king is love. Not that he has love, not that he's loving, although he is, but that he is love. And this was the kingdom that Israel was waiting for 2,000 years ago on the first Christmas. This was the kingdom that every heart in Israel needed. No, they didn't know it. They didn't know that he was everything that they needed. This is also the, the kingdom that Advent waits for. And this is the kingdom that Jesus brought to earth. But when he brought it, 
He only brought it in part because he came the first time as a suffering servant to give his life in order that he might bring people into his kingdom on a spiritual level, experience his kingdom. But someday he will return again. And when he does, he will bring his kingdom to earth, not as a suffering servant, but as a conquering king and not in part, but in full. And at that time, not only will we know the kingdom on a spiritual level as spiritual beings, but it is then on that day that our mortal bodies will take on immortality when our physical bodies will know the glory of that kingdom. Somebody say, new bodies. Come on, somebody with a little bit of extra body fat or a sore back or some terminal disease or something that can't be fixed, say, new bodies. No more sickness. No more death. No more tears. No more sorrow. No more loss. No more pain. No more sickness, no more divorce or dissension or division or disease. When Jesus was born, he brought the kingdom of heaven to earth, a kingdom where the law is love, the motivator and the end goal. But it was only in part when he returns, he will seal the deal in the culmination of all things. Yeah, we can clap. That's good. I mean, it's good. That's good news. But what about right now? What about this space that we're living in right now? I mean, Jesus has come. And he is coming again, but he has not yet come again. So what about right now? What about in the space right now where we are waiting? Well, that, friends, is the power of the reality of Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God is with us, but not just with us in the sense that he was with us when Jesus came and was physically present, and now that he's not physically present anymore, that God has left. But even now, by the presence of the Holy Spirit of God, because right before Jesus died, he said, guys, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I got to go away but I'm not leaving you as orphans. In fact, it's better that I go away because I'm leaving you the comforter, the Holy Spirit. Right now, the presence of Christ in the Holy Spirit of God is among us even now. And this is the power and the reality of Christmas that Jesus has come and is here, which means that his kingdom, where love is the highest law, is among us right now. You may, uh, you may not know what you need this Christmas, but what you need is the love of God. Jackie DeShannon got it right in uh, 1965 when she said, what the world needs now is love, sweet love. It's the only thing that there's just too little of. But what Jackie probably didn't know is that all true love has its source in God. The Bible says that God is love, that love emanates from his very being, that he is the essence of love and everything that he does has its foundation and motivation and end goal in love. Jesus coming to the earth, being born as a baby, 
putting on human flesh, living a righteous life. Everything that he did in his life and then in his death and his resurrection was a demonstration of love. Even Jesus just coming at all was a demonstration of love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Some of us today have come in here and maybe you know God, maybe you have a relationship with God, you've put your trust in Jesus. Maybe somebody dragged you here and you're like, ah, the God thing, I'm just doing it to make my family happy or keep the peace or whatever. And you've come in with some kind of understanding of who God is. And it has been molded by your own ideas and what people in the world say and some weird documentary you watched on the History Channel about the Bible or something. And it's created in you this idea of God. And many of us come in here and we think about God as being this like distant, terrifying, holy being who in one hand he's got like a rule book and in the other hand he's got a whip waiting to see who's going to break the rules first in order to dish out the punishment. And God is holy and he is so mighty that if we saw him our knees would buckle. But he's not far off and he's not scary. He has wrath for sin for sure. Jesus took on that wrath on the cross and so that God now has for us mercy and grace and love. What kind of love is it? It's the kind of love you see in Jesus. You want to know what God is like? For real, you want to know what God is like? Look at Jesus. It has been said that Jesus is what God has to say. Jesus came to show us what the Father is like. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You want to know what the Father is like? Look at Jesus. Jesus is the very essence of the Father. That's why when the prophet Isaiah wrote about the coming Messiah, this passage that we read all the time at Christmas time in Isaiah chapter 9, he said that he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Prince of Peace, Everlasting Father. Jesus is what the Father has to say. And so Jesus put on human flesh. He robed himself in humanity in order to translate to us what God is like, what he has to say, and the tone with which he says it. See, God is the other. God is God is holy. He is not man. God is spirit. He is outside of time and space. God is bigger than the human mind can comprehend. And so he became a man, wrapped himself in human flesh to get on our level, to speak in a way that we could understand. You want to know what the father is like? Look at Jesus. He is what the father has to say. You want to know what his love is like? You want to know what kind of king he is like? You want to know what kind of love his kingdom is built on? Look at the life of Jesus. My wife has been asking me for weeks uh, what I want for Christmas. And I'm kind of coming up empty, you know? Like, I, I don't really want anything. Honestly, it's been, it's been a, a tough couple of weeks for me. Uh, this last week, we celebrated what would have been our son's fourth birthday. Um, that same day. We got news that the house we've been trying to buy for 11 months was sold to somebody else. Uh, and then my grandma died <laughs> this week. It's been, a, it's been a hard couple of weeks, you know, full of disappointment, uh, loss, sadness, 
for me some anxiety. And there's just this longing for everything to just like be at peace. For all the dissonance to just like come into harmony and be like sweet and right. For everything to just be made right. What do I want for Christmas? I could probably come up with a list of some things that would like temporarily gratify some part of my humanity. But like King Solomon said, it's, it's all vanity of vanities. It's like grasping for the wind. What my soul needs is a kingdom of eternal love and the king of that kingdom to enter into my disappointments, to enter into my sorrow, to enter into my loss and my anxiety. That's what I need for Christmas. Cool part is, Jesus already got the gift. He already bought it. And I've got access to a never-ending supply of as much of it as I can handle if I will just humble myself, surrender, and ask. You may not know what you need this Christmas, but I'm telling you that this is actually what you need also. You know, every advertisement every billboard, every commercial, every article, even most of what all of our friends are saying. It's all the same thing. It's like, we gotta like make a legacy for our kids and we even gotta do stuff like, we gotta have compassion and be more generous and be full of more love and more kindness and we gotta bring stability. We gotta even love. Yeah, but what kind of love? Because love that emanates from the human being always has the human being as the end goal and motivation. And I've got news for you. If I am the end goal of our love, you're going to be so let down. You're going to be disappointed. I can't do that for you. You can't do that for me. The stuff can't do it for us. Only love that emanates from God himself is the kind of love that will not disappoint. I need God's kingdom of love and the king of that kingdom to be manifest in my life is what I need. I've built my own kingdoms. I've created my own castles. I've planted my own trees with my own root system. I've done the best that I can. But we don't need my kingdom of love. We need his kingdom of love because in his kingdom there's real joy for the disappointed and downcast and depressed there's real hope for the person who is let down there is strength for the person who's at the end of their rope and there is real love that banishes all fear in his kingdom of love there is arms that are open to the outcast. There is comfort for the lonely, peace for the anxious, and rest for the weary. In his kingdom of love, there is acceptance for the failure. There is forgiveness for the sinner, freedom for the bound, mercy for the proud, and grace for the humble. In his kingdom of love, There is an everlasting father who loves with an everlasting love. And there is no anger in this father's eyes. There's no whip in his hand. And there's no disappointment in his voice. 
This is not like the kingdoms that we build or even imagine building. This kingdom is not built on ingenuity or human wisdom or even good intentions. This is not a kingdom built on something. This is a kingdom built on somebody, the rock of ages who never fails, who never faints, who never lets you down. The kingdom of God is built on the one who's not going to forsake you, who won't abuse you, who won't reject you, who won't refuse you. In this kingdom of love, there is a king who knows your name, who knows every single thought that you think, who knows every single one of your desires and who has your back every single time. In this kingdom of love, there is a kingdom, a king rather, who is acquainted with your grief, who knows about your need, who is sympathetic to your struggle, who is privy to your problem, who is present in your sadness, who is forming you in the fire, who is molding you in the mire, singing over you in your sadness, holding you in your heartbreak, working in your waiting, and who is using your situation, which is not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in you when his kingdom comes in full power and full glory on that day. That's the kind of kingdom, friends, that I need, that we need this Christmas. And that's the kind of king that we need this Christmas. A kingdom of love means a kingdom of everything good, everything lovely, everything pure, and everything right. Listen, I don't know what place this Christmas finds you in, but if your heart and mind are not full of everything good, lovely, pure, and right. If you find yourself, for instance, full of sorrow and disappointment and anger and loneliness or whatever else that is contrary to this kingdom of love that we've been talking about, I just want to invite you to join with me in asking this king of this kingdom of love to enter in. Jesus spoke to this church in this city called Laodicea, and it's recorded in Revelation 3, and he says to them, here I am. I'm standing at the door and knocking. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with them, and they with me. Believe that Jesus is standing at the door waiting for us to open up that he may enter in the psalmist wrote open up you gates open up you gates that the king of glory may enter in we're going to close the gathering today by by singing for about 25 or 30 minutes singing some some songs that are intended to help us and to help set the table for us to turn our hearts to him and to say, King of glory, would you enter into my life? And, and listen, there's some here who have him in your life, but he is disconnected from your situation. He's in your life. You're a child of God, but he's disconnected from your disappointment. He's disconnected from your sorrow. He's disconnected from your pain. He's disconnected from whatever's going on. Today, like he, Jesus said to the church, let me in. I'm standing at your heart. I'm here. I'm with you. Like you're my child, but you've you've kept me at a distance. Today, bring him in. And for some of you, 
you're not a child yet. You haven't had access to the kingdom of heaven. It's like Jesus has set up camp right here. But until you put your faith and trust in Jesus and his work on the cross and his resurrection from the dead, you have no access into the kingdom. But today, he's saying, hey, open up your gates. Let me, the king of glory, enter in and make all things new. Before we sing, I want to do this ancient practice uh, that Israel used to do. They would do this call and response thing where the song leader would say a phrase and the congregation, the people, would respond by saying something. Today, I want to I speak out some things, some situations where we need the king of glory to enter in. And as I do that, I want you to respond with those words, king of glory, enter in. King of glory, enter in. I want to say it like we mean it. I'll say some things. You respond by saying, king of glory, enter in. Whether it's your personal situation, you can relate to this, or somebody you know, or just maybe not even a situation you personally know, but you know that's a reality. I say, you respond, king of glory, enter in. Family tension, king of glory, enter in. Broken relationships, Broken families. Dissension and division. Come on, say it like we're actually asking him to. Wayward family and friends. Individuals and families that have suffered loss. The individual who is battling anxiety. The one who is suffering depression. The one who is battling addiction. The one who is full of anger. The person who was abused. The person who was neglected. The person who was cheated on. Into the broken heart. Into the financial need into the emotional need, to the physical need, to the need for healing, to the need for endurance, to the outcast, to the downcast, to the hopeless, to the doubter, to the lonely, into every heart this Christmas into every life this Christmas, into every mind this Christmas, every relationship, every gathering, come on, every gift given, every meal partaken of, every conversation, every thought, every word, every home, and every moment this Christmas, we are asking Emmanuel, King of glory, that you would enter in. Oh, come, come, Emmanuel. You are God with us right now in our need, in our situation. You are here. Emmanuel, you are here. Would you enter in? every part 
of our lives this season. King of the kingdom of love, do what only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen.